Welcome to the Nutrition-ish Podcast, the place for all things nutrition and mindfulness. We are passionate about guiding you to make peace with food and empower your body and brain. I'm one of your hosts, Allie Hobson. I'm an NTP, Nutritional Therapy Practitioner in San Diego. I work with individuals to assess personal nutritional deficiencies and imbalances by addressing the root cause of any health issue. In my private practice, I focus on women's hormones, gut health, and thyroid dysfunction. Let's meet my co-host. I'm Chelsea Gross, a certified transformational nutrition coach based in Los Angeles. I work one-on-one with women who are ready to break free from dieting, make peace with food, and create a life they love filled with energy, self-love, and freedom from rules and obsession. I'm also the creator of the ebook, Break Free from Disordered Eating. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is intended to be informative and entertaining and should not replace medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. We are so excited you're here. Let's get to the episode. You're listening to episode nine of the Nutrition-ish podcast. Hey. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm well. I'm well. It's so good (laughs) to talk to you. We have not been able to talk as much lately just because we both had so much going on and every day I miss you. I know. Going back to work, man, it's tough. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I'm only going, you know, into an office two days a week, but it brings me back to just feeling like by the time it's Friday, not that we don't work hard. I feel like, I don't know, I work way harder now than I ever did being employed by somebody else, but Mm -hmm. it's just... You can't do, you know, your own stuff, like, during the day. And I'm like, I lost two days of my week to actually get other things done. But I have to say I am absolutely loving what I'm doing working at this doctor's office. Um, I'm learning so much. Every day I want to just, like, call you and be like, guess what I learned today? (laughs) Yeah, you are learning so much. You're such a little smarty pants already. You're going to be the smartest girl on the block. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. I feel like you, I don't know. You learn, like, as you do stuff and go through things, and Mm -hmm. you know 10 times more about certain things than I've ever even heard of. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually just thinking this morning about how grateful I am to have gone through so many different health issues and such a struggle with food in my body and all this stuff for so many years because I'm so grateful for where I'm at right now in my business and the people I get to help. And it really, really clicked with me yesterday because I just signed on another really amazing client and I just know I wouldn't be able to help them or relate to them in the way that I can had I not gone through so much of my own personal experience. And it's such a really cool shift in perspective because for so many years I was struggling so much and I was totally, why me, what was me, just super pessimistic and hopeless and all of these negative things. And now I get to make peace with all that and be so grateful because it's made me learn so much and, you know, brought me to this new career and stuff. So it's, yeah, learning and going through all that stuff, even as hard as it is, is such a great thing when you can, you know, make your mess, your message, as we say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it builds credibility too, because it's like, you know, making something or like 
coming up with a recipe and being like, you guys, this is so good. You have to try it. And they're like, well, did you try it? You're like, well, no, but I mean, I feel like it's good. <laughs> yeah, such a good analogy. Which I have done many times, you know, but it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you got to try it and then you can kind of experience it. And it just, you bond better over it with your clients too, I think, which is so great. Yeah. When do you think you have this kind of like shift in perspective? Was it like, just the more that you've, you know, become more established in your business and having great clients? Or did you have this aha moment of like, wait a minute, this is happening and I am really actually like paying attention to it? Well, when I first went back to school for nutrition in 2014, I've probably talked about this a lot on all different forms of (laughs) mediums and stuff. But I always say, make your your message and things don't happen to us, they happen for us. And I learned those things like very quickly from the founder of my school. She always talked about that. And it started to click for me. And I went to an event for my school a couple months into beginning the program here in L.A., And it was the first time that I met other people that had been through struggles. Like, I just feel like I've always been in friend groups and situations where people don't, I was always the only one struggling, the only person that ever got sick or ever had, you know, so much issues with food in my body and all of this. And so I just kind of thought I was super alone. And I never thought that any of that really could be good. I always just thought it was bad. And why is this happening to me? And so when I went to this event with, um, you know, my peers and, and everything and, everyone there had been through something truly like autoimmune disease you know eating disorders disordered eating anxiety depression all this stuff and I was like whoa we're all actually going to be using this and our personal experience to help other people how cool is that and so it started to sink in for me but so I've always I've always had that perspective but I've just had a tough couple years like you guys all know um you know finding out I have Lyme disease and Bartonella disease was like a little bit of a kick in a, in my gut for lack of a better word, because <laughs> my gut issues are what are most affected by it. Um, it's funny that you changed that, like, you know, saying, because it usually is like a kick in, a kick in the pants. Is that what oh, is you, it? I feel like there's like a, <laughs> is that not an actual saying? <laughs> saying that's like a kick, a swift kick in the pants. I think I know you don't the, have to say yeah. it with an accent. <laughs> God, I think a kick in the pants is like, get your butt going, like do this. And I think kick in the gut is like, oh, like sucker punch. Like, yeah, man, that was tough. It's funny. Like, I'm really, really <laughs> bad at sayings and like known phrases. My husband knows all of them. I remember when we first started da- dating and we both are from San Diego, but we live like, you know, 30 men, 30 minutes away or so, which like down here, I feel like it's it's a big difference. It's like, oh, well, I live like way south. And he's like, yeah, I live out in the sticks. And I was yeah. like, uh, what does that even mean? Like what? And he's like, you've never heard that saying? And I was like, no. And so like, <laughs> it's kind of a running joke. He'll say all these phrases and things that I'm just like, I've, nope, never heard that. I don't know what was wrong with me growing up. Like my parents are really funny, sarcastic people, but like sayings are not a thing. Yeah. Scott's kind of the same way. I'm like, did you grow up in a bubble? Like he knows little about a lot <laughs> he's I love you babe he's listening um so I don't know like, if what's it's just, another... like were you a really tight family unit like it, maybe you just kind of learned within your own household <laughs> no but these are like well-known sayings that like everybody in the world Some people don't know them no like I can't even think like what's another one like a saying <sighs> that's like I a don't think I can think of one or... off the top of my head 
Um, I don't know. There's so many. Well, anyways, I know none of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> kick in the gut. You know what I'm saying. Anyways, long story short with all of that, in the last couple months, I've really started working with people that just light up my life and make me feel so grateful and I'm so excited about where my business is heading and like the opportunity I get to to make a difference in in helping women feel more free around food and so lately as of this morning actually I had some happy tears just because I'm really excited about where I'm at and I just know if I hadn't been through all of that crap for so many years and I'm still going through it there's no way I would have what I have now and be able to help people. I never would have had that shift in perspective. I would have just kept going through life the way that I was and feeling bad for myself. And, you know, it doesn't take away from how hard all of that is and was, but it helps me make peace with the past and know that it was for a greater reason. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, life is life is too short, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to... Every day, get up and put a smile on your face because why the heck not, you know? I went to um, a really cool event this weekend that was all about, like, self-love and it's kind of like a workshop type thing that another um, girlfriend of mine who does also nutrition and she's a health coach, um, she's a personal trainer, and she's awesome, but she's taken the initiative to, like just put together these kind of like events and things here and there. Um, And if you're in San Diego, it's called Babes Who Sweat. And she put together like this little kind of like, you could do like, um, there's like an organic tanning salon that like did, you know, free like leg spray tans and things, Um, which I didn't do because. (laughs) Just your legs? Well, because it was free. So it wasn't like everybody gets a free spray tan, but it was just like a little, you know, splattering from like every single little vendor. They had like someone that made their own like organic like skincare kind of um, stuff and like hair care. Um, But anyways, we did like we went down to the beach and we sat in like a circle and she had us kind of fill out like your, your name tags. First of all said, hi, my name is blah, you know, whatever. And I love my blank. And everybody had to fill in what you love about yourself and then we kind of prioritize like our goals, um, things that we want to work on. And it was just, it was really cool because sometimes we don't really think about those things. Mm-hmm. And it was fun to hear like what everybody was kind of like going through. And it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't like a, a negative thing. It was like people were going through amazing things and wanted to share it and really kind of like motivating other people because it was kind of more centered around like small businesses and people who run their own business or people starting a business. So it was cool. And I think we need to do more self-love activities, especially if it's not in your like day to day, it's cool to get together and go to events where people already do the work for you. (laughs) Yeah. Because one thing that like my personal takeaway from it was, um, like, how am I going to remedy some of these things that I'm working through? And I think the the main thing that I figured out was, like, how am I going to stop being such a questioner? Because yeah. that's really just who I am. And it's funny because uh, Kira, who runs this Babes Who Sweat, she listens to the podcast. And she was like, as soon as I said that, I was like, I'm going to try to stop being such a questioner. And she started busting out laughing. <laughs> and she was like, it's funny because literally on the last episode, or maybe it was the episode before, you were analyzing the way in which you brush your teeth. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, I didn't, I don't even realize the things that I'm doing. 
Uh, and sometimes it's fine and good, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, maybe just do something, really believe in it, believe in yourself and just go in at like 110% instead of, you know, doing something for like a week and then already being like, well, this probably isn't going to work. What else am I going to do? Or what am I going to do next? Yeah. You know, just kind of like having a little bit more faith. So faith anyways. and trust. Trust in yourself and trust in your particular journey and that it doesn't have to look the same as someone else's. And that sort of circles in comparison as well. You know, with social media, we even compare our health protocols and how fast we're healing with other people's stories as well. So Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, keeping your eyes on your own process and your own journey and just trusting and having faith that you will get through it when you're meant to get through it and in the way you're meant to get through it too. Yep. And Per your request, I deleted about 10 accounts really quickly on my Instagram of people that I no longer care to follow because their message doesn't align with what I believe in. And if I see some of their stuff one more time, I'm going to lose it. Yes. (laughs) So that felt pretty good. I was like, I don't need this. I don't need this in my life. Okay. Well, I want you to keep going. 10's not enough. (laughs) No, I know. But I also just haven't really been on Instagram as much. I'm just kind of like doing the things that I need to do like sharing my epic yogurt fail number three, you know, very important things. Wait, I missed <laughs> the fact that it failed the oh third time. Wait, why did I think, though, there was only two times? Because the third happened and I just, like... You didn't talk about it. I didn't... Well, no, I just did last night. I was like, I haven't been on Instagram, like, all day. I have nothing to share except for that I literally cannot make probiotic yogurt. So I've been trying to make the coconut cult type of probiotic yeah. yogurt. And apparently from so many people, it is really easy and all you need is a can of coconut milk and some probiotics. Well, let me tell you, it's not that easy, you guys. It's not. So number one, you have to get a coconut milk that has guar gum in it or some type of gum. And this is just me and my experience. I'm not saying this is like legit the rules, but what I have found, (laughs) um, because the guar gum and stuff acts as a prebiotic, I believe, to eat, to feed the probiotics that you're adding. So the Whole Foods brand is great. The Thai Kitchen brand is probably great. Trader Joe's brand, not good. <laughs> and then, so you'll empty um, some packets. Or actually, okay, so first you want to add some fruit to it because I also think the fruit is giving the probiotic sugar to feed on. Yeah. So you can even do just like a few chunks of like mango or something, like defrost it or make sure that it's not frozen and then blend it with the coconut milk and then you add your probiotics and some people have been like reaching out and being like, you need to do this. Don't do this. How about do this? And so everybody, thank you for your input. I heard um, that you also want to pick a probiotic that doesn't have prebiotics in it. So like some of them will contain like chicory root and stuff to feed the probiotic while it's in your gut. But apparently when you do it with the yogurt, like it's not a good idea. I don't know. So I'm going to try it one more time. But anyways... Well, I think if it was that easy, everyone would do it and people wouldn't spend $25 on. But now I'm like, 20 bucks? Uh, Yeah, I'd pay 20 bucks if I don't have to do this again. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I think it's expensive for a reason. And they're also using young coconuts, they're not using coconut milk. So can you you talk to me about that? Well, (laughs) can I? I don't know the, I don't really know the difference. I'm pretty sure they use young coconuts and that's what makes it taste so good. Like, like they're babies? Like, what? <laughs> little baby coconuts. Aw, so cute. I think. Yeah, All I don't right. know. We'd have to ask the coconut cult people. They know what they're mm. doing, though. Well, and the unfortunate thing with their 
their, their stuff is that in the way that they like, they also use dried coconuts. So they dry the coconut or parts of the coconut right. or something, and they have now put the maltodextrin on their ingredient list, which I reached right. out to them and asked because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't remember this being on here. And he said, well, it's always been in the ingredients and we just put it as like other or additional or something because they, they're using it to dry the coconuts. They're not really using a lot of it. It's less than 0.1%. So I don't know. I think with that, it's like pick and choose. Is it going to kill you? Probably not. Is it good to consume every day? Probably not. Mm-hmm. If you can make your own and if it was easy, well, yeah. You know who but. has a recipe, and it's not exactly the same consistency as coconut coal or some of the other coconut yogurts, but Christina Rice has one with gelatin. It's coconut milk and gelatin. And so mm. it makes somewhat of like a coconutty yogurt. And I've okay. made it, and it is really good. It's like I said, it's not the same consistency, but we'll link to that recipe. Here. Yeah. I'll send it to you. She has text. fabulous <laughs> recipes. Yes. Yes, please. Yeah, she's a little recipe genius. I'm not. I just, I mean, if I get lucky. You're pretty good. You're creative. Okay. I mean, I like, I like being creative. I can't say it always works, but, you know, whatevs. Yeah, at least you don't make crispy kale and carrot fries every day and say, <laughs> that's all I have to my name. <sighs> anyway, well, all right. If it, if it works, you know, don't, don't fix, fix it. it. Hey, and that's I won't. a saying that I and know. I haven't. There you if go. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> See, you need to give For yourself more credit. Oh, look, we go. Okay, should we get and to now, our first question? No, no more laughter. Uh, Fun is over. Okay, <laughs> yes. Serious. Just stuff, kidding. <laughs> it is funny, though. Everyone's like, you guys are so fun. Then you, like, turn on the serious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> when you're saying words like, you know, algae omegas and megaflora, it's hard to just be laughy about it. Yeah. But we can try. Okay. Okay, our first listener question. This comes from Laura and a little bit about her. I have atopic dermatitis or atopic dermatitis. So I have avoided all the well-known inflammatory foods, gluten, soy, dairy, corn, spicy foods, coffee, and alcohol. I have severe food allergies to eggs, fish, nuts, and sesame, um, also, and sesame seeds. So I don't eat those either. My sleep is awful. I frequently have insomnia either because my skin is itchy and it keeps me awake. So because I have not slept in a number of days, my body just forgets it needs sleep. I see an acupuncturist weekly for my skin and my sleep. My stress levels tend to elevate when my skin gets bad, which is kind of a bad feedback loop and makes my skin worse. I also meditate to reduce my base levels of stress. Her supplements and medications are antihistamines, including Zyrtec, Allegra, and hydroxyzine. Supplements are vitamin D3 at 4,000, uh, EC or EGCG, algae omegas, megaflora probiotic, vitamin B12, milk thistle, and turmeric. Question number one, what else should I try to improve my sleep? Question number two is what other items can I avoid for my skin inflammation? And her what else do you want us to know is food allergies and sensitivities what other tests can people get besides the ige blood test and a skin prick test so i guess just you know starting with the question number one you know what can i do to help improve my sleep but if you want to kind of lump all those together chelsea you can yeah do as you yeah so hey laura or is it is it laura 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 Laura. like 
I don't actually know how you say Lara. I think it's Lara Bar. I think that is how you Lara? say it. Yeah, her but name hers is, Lara. is her. No, I'm just saying that's how you say Lara Bar, which most people mispronounce. Her name hers is Lara. Lara. Yes. Okay. Hey. Thank you so much for a great question. First and foremost, I just want to say my heart goes out to you and all you are dealing with. It does sound absolutely awful. And also to not be able to sleep, I can understand how much that would be throwing off everything in your life. So congratulations on doing a lot of things right with doing acupuncture, you're taking a great quality probiotic, doing a lot of other great supplements. Uh, You're working on your stress and you're avoiding a lot of inflammatory food. So just know that you are doing a lot to help yourself and congratulate yourself for that. Um, I just wanted to quickly go over a little bit about eczema in general. So atopic dermatitis is essentially chronic eczema. Uh, So this causes things like itchy, oozing plaques, very, very dry, itchy skin. It's definitely sounds like a really, really very uncomfortable condition, but I know a lot of people suffer with it on a scale. Um, so you definitely have a, you know, a very severe form of it. So as far as other inflammatory foods that you could avoid that could help your skin condition, you're already avoiding a lot of those big players. Like you said, gluten, soy, dairy, corn, coffee, alcohol. The thing I would say to look into is, are you possibly consuming inflammatory oils? So these are going to be things like canola oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil anything that would be hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated. I know since you are a very, um, you you seem like you have a lot of awareness about food quality, it's probably not something that you're including in your diet day to day. However, are those oils possibly sneaking into some products that you're consuming on a regular basis? Or are you getting takeout or going out to eat quite frequently? Um, Even a little bit, you know, throughout the week, could you could possibly getting a high consumption of these oils. um, Basically, these are man-made industrial seed oils that just are super high in omega-6. They throw off the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6s and are very, very inflammatory. They're super, super delicate to light, air, and heat, so they oxidize super quickly. And I do know a lot of people who have quite serious reactions to these inflammatory oils. So something to just take a deeper look at Maybe you're eating out once a week, but the place you're eating out at uses canola oil, and that is, you know, a trigger for you. It's possible. You could try doing AIP, the Autoimmune Paleo Protocol. I am going to link for you a few sources from the Paleo Mom, Sarah Ballantyne, who is one of the best resources for all things autoimmune paleo. Um, So you could go farther and look at other things like nightshade vegetables or even things like chocolate or other things that maybe have caffeine in them, like kombucha or something like that that you're having that's maybe also a trigger for you and causing a little bit of an inflammatory state. The other thing I wanted to talk about was vitamin D. So I see that you're taking 4,000 milligrams. I'm not sure if you also meant 4,000 IUs of vitamin D3, which that's a great source. Um, If you are supplementing with vitamin D, D3 is great. I like to see also a vitamin D that has a K or K and K2 in there too, just to properly assimilate um, the D. Um, But I think possibly you might need a higher amount of vitamin D. You do want to make sure though that you're testing vitamin D. I might have mentioned this on another episode. You don't want to just guess because too high levels of supplementing with vitamin D over a period of time can be detrimental. 
but I was so deficient uh, when I got tested that I was taking 15,000 IUs just to give you some bit of a picture or a ballpark. If you are super deficient, you may need to up that D because D is super therapeutic to the, to the skin and particularly eczema. Vitamin D is actually made inside skin cells. So it's like a little bit of medicine for your skin when you're getting adequate levels of vitamin D. Really, really great for inflammation and to support the immune system as well. So I would recommend getting tested. That's one of the easiest things to get tested even through a conventional doctor. And just to see where you're at with that, you may need to up your D. Uh, You can also work on getting sun exposure, so about 10 to 20 minutes of direct sunlight without sunscreen, depending on your skin color a day, can be really, really helpful. And then omega-3, so this is a bit of a tough thing for you in particular, just because you do say that you have a food allergy to eggs. So I guess I just wanted to double check, is that actually a allergy or is it just a sensitivity or an intolerance? Are you allergic or possibly intolerant or sensitive to all, like every single type of fish? Um, Because you're also, um, you're saying you're sensitive also to eggs, egg yolks and fatty fish like salmon, sardines. Those are one of the best sources of omega-3. So because you can't do that, you're not getting that great anti-inflammatory fatty acid, which is going to be helpful for your skin condition. So I'm wondering, and again, like I'd want you to run this by a doctor, could you potentially do a high quality fish oil or another type of omega-3 supplement? Something to look into. Also, could you possibly do a flaxseed oil? I know you're allergic to seeds, but could you possibly do the seed oil? Um, Also looking into things like seaweed, so algae, dulse, nori, spirulina, other sources um, to get a little bit of that anti-inflammatory omega-3. And then things like grass-fed beef, so really high-quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef will give you a little bit of omega-3s. And I also really like ghee, which is a clarified butter, uh, making sure that's also grass-fed, grass-finished. A really, really high source of that could also be helpful for giving you a little bit of that anti-inflammatory help. Um, And then I think a liver supplement or an organ complex supplement would be really great for you in particular. Um, I don't know if you've tried to include liver in your diet. If you feel like you can't do liver, I'll try and find, I think there's a few recipes. I think Mary, the paleo chef has a really good tasty liver recipe. I've heard highly, um, I've heard spoken highly about because I know some people have a hard time. I myself have never Allie, have you had liver? No. Yeah. I, so. I take a liver. I take a liver complex. Yeah. Because I have gone to a few different places and butchers and things, and it's just not something I'm really jazzed about cooking or making and consuming. Um, if someone gives me a pate or something, like, yeah. love it. But eh, I don't know. I'd la- I'd rather take a supplement. Um, there's Dr. Ron's is a great one that has grass fed. Um, I guess it's. Uh, Brazilian, I think it's grass-fed bovine, Brazilian bovine. But um, yeah, Dr. Ron's is a mm-hmm. good liver yeah. supplement that I take. Yeah. I've also taken Vital Proteins has a liver supplement. And also the brand Paleo Valley makes a really great organ complex. You're getting all different variety of organ, organs, organ meats. 
So I think that could be helpful too for you getting more A, D, B vitamins. All of this will be really, really helpful for your skin and bringing down inflammation and also supporting your immune system. And then um, looking into gut health, Allie's going to talk a little bit more about this, but just things that you can do like bone broth, um, glycine, which is found in bone broth, is particularly healing for the skin. And then collagen, so Vitoproteins makes all different kinds of great kinds of collagen protein that would be really helpful to include in your diet seriously as much as possible. Um, you're already taking, like I said, a really great quality probiotic. That's really, really important. The other thing I wanted to, to bring to your attention, which I don't know if you've already looked into this, but is there something, some product or something that you're using that you're possibly having a chemical allergy to? So this could be things like your detergent, body wash, body lotion, like anything that you're using on your skin that's maybe not, even maybe not so obvious, like a detergent or even um, something like you're using to clean your house, which you're you're taking in. Our, our skin is our largest organ, so anything that's coming in any close contact with it could be triggering you. It's, it's possible it's something to look into. Um, yeah, there's also a really good list, which we can link to. Um, that is what Beauty Counter is all about, is kind of removing all of these most, you know, like known toxins and things. But they have an amazing, they call it the Never List. And if you just Google the Never List Beauty Counter um, or go to beautycounter.com, but they take out things like mineral oil, sodium lauryl sulfate, anything that says fragrance, parabens, um, fat musks, resorcinol. I mean, there's just so many different things that, if you look at this list, it's like, well, shoot. I mean, if you haven't really looked at it to know, why would you? <laughs> you know, so it, it is worth looking at that list and then kind of going through some of your products to see if there is anything else that you're kind of missing. Yeah, totally. It's such a good resource. And then, um, yeah, like I said, Ali's going to talk a little bit more about could there be something else going on um, and getting, you know, having an easier time maybe identifying triggers and things that are causing your flares. So I just wanted to talk a little bit more too about products and things that could help and be supportive. So you want to look for products that strengthen the skin barrier, something that heals and also seals the skin. So there's a great product that the Paleo Mom Sarah Ballantyne <clears throat> recommends from the eczema company. So I'll link to all this. It's a Manuka Honey Skin Soothing Cream. She also recommends something like using a cold compress and also another um, thing called wet wrapping, which could be something you could possibly do at night that could help you to sleep. And I will link to how to do that. And then uh, Dr. Josh Axe, which is another really great resource for all things health and wellness. He recommends things like lavender oil, tea tree oil, coconut oil, witch hazel, licorice root extract, and things like that. And I will link to something he also has, which is an eczema cream that is a combination of a few of those things. And then this is something you may have never heard of. It's light therapy. So I actually, on my last podcast, had interviewed the founder of Holistic Light Therapy, she is a great resource. I will link to her. You can reach out to her directly and she'll probably get right back to you. I just was going to read this that according to the National Eczema Association, phototherapy helps to calm inflammation, reduce itching, increase vitamin D production, and help fight bacteria on the skin. So I actually got to try this myself. I visited with her in San Diego, actually, where she's based out of Allie, actually. Well, no way. I should Lara connect you guys. is in San Diego. No. Surprise. Oh, oh, okay. Lara Perfect. Lara San Diego, yeah. 
Perfect. So yeah. Oh my you, God, great. Yeah. Okay. Golden so nugget. We'll I don't need to, to say anything that I needed to say. No. <laughs> we'll try to hook you guys up. Um, but I actually got to try it myself to help with some of my bloating and chronic pain. And I just, people have seen super awesome benefit from doing this. Um, and then sleep, I'm going to recommend the book by Sean Stevenson. He has a book called Sleep Smarter. He's such great information and nuggets. He also has an awesome podcast that I would look more into where he has several episodes on sleep. And I would also recommend too to create more of a set bedtime routine for yourself. So something that really gets you in like the routine of winding down, getting into that zen, relaxing place, something that you can do each night. So whether that's essential oils or maybe a bath or you know, meditation, a yoga sequence, you know, maybe getting new sheets or, you know, blackout blinds or something, just something like treating yourself a little bit and making more of a really special nighttime routine for yourself. Always making sure too that you sleep in a cool, dark room. Um, And then experimenting too with changing up maybe your macronutrients at dinner time. So things like more carbs and more starch actually before bed can be helpful for sleep. Um, and then magnesium. So we have linked to this article before from Stephanie Ruper, who runs paleoforwomen.com. She talks about taking a few different types of magnesium. I would look into magnesium threonate, which helps particularly with insomnia, anxiety, and racing thoughts. So I don't know if you've tried magnesium. I don't believe. Is that something she said she was taking? No. So I would definitely, definitely try magnesium and look in, I'll link to this article and you can see which type and kind might be right for you. Mm-hmm. Also because magnesium and calcium and vitamin D all work really closely together. So taking magnesium can help kind of uptake your vitamin D. Um, I'm going to throw out a whole different idea for you because Chelsea did a great job of talking about inflammatory diets and AIP and you're already doing most of that anyways, Lara. So I'm curious if you have ever looked into possibly having a histamine intolerance. So histamine causes your blood vessels to swell or dilate so that your white blood cells can quickly find and attack the infection or problem. So while this can be great, sometimes not so great if your body is kind of doing it um, in the wrong fashion. So this is the part of the body's you know, natural immune response and typically enzymes will break down the histamine. Those enzymes are called DAO. So normally um, your body is producing these DAO enzymes to break down the histamine so the histamine doesn't get built up. But if for some reason you don't break down that histamine properly, it begins to build up in the body and you develop what we call a histamine intolerance. So that is kind of something I'm like very curious about as of lately because I think I've had a lot of um, patients and clients that are having these kind of like bizarre symptoms and the symptoms can be anything because everybody's body is different. It can be a sore throat all the time when you are experiencing kind of like a histamine flare-up. It can be flu-like symptoms, runny nose, headache, like it kind of varies and the symptoms can be really similar to like just getting a cold. Um, So some of these things too, which I see that you're taking Zyrtec, um, Allegra, and another, what is it, antihistamine? Where did that go? Um, hydroxyzine, hydroxyzine. So what is fascinating is that when you're taking all of these kind of medications, which are antihistamines, it's actually 
the um, the medications are blocking DAO. So that's kind of why you see a problem with like what we're doing. It's almost like you're taking these antihistamines, but then you're blocking maybe the production of DAO that your body actually needs to break them down. So again, this is something that is kind of newer to me in researching and understanding, but there are a lot of high histamine foods as well, which is getting me to my next point. So if you're kind of having these food sensitivities and food reactions, it might actually be that they are high in histamines and that's what your body is reacting to. Uh, Dr. Amy Myers is a really great resource and she has a really good article called Everything You Need to Know About Histamine Intolerance, but the main kind of high histamine foods are fermented foods. So sauerkraut, vinegar, soy sauce, um, kefir, yogurt, kombucha, and then any vinegar containing foods. So pickles, mayonnaise, olives, and one thing that kind of you know caught my attention too was like even apple cider vinegar. We do and recommend a lot of apple cider vinegar because it can help with producing your own stomach acid, um, helping with digestion. However, sometimes using this vinegar might be actually more problematic for people, especially if you have a histamine intolerance. And then also, if you're going through this is just like an aside, but if you're doing like any type of candida protocol or something, vinegar there can also be problematic to feed the candida. So we think of you know some of these superfoods as being like a catch-all and everybody should do them, but you do have to be a little bit careful depending on what your, your issues might be. So other high histamine foods are things like cured meats, bacon, salami, pepperoni, luncheon meats, hot dogs, um, and then any type of like soured foods, um, sour cream, sour milk, buttermilk, sour bread, so again, these are not things you're consuming. I'm just kind of, for the general public, what are high histamine foods? Anything like dry fruits, dates, figs, raisins. So, I mean, I can't even tell you how many products now have dates in them <laughs> um, because it's a, a good, great source of natural sugar, but not if you have a histamine intolerance. And then most citrus fruits, fruits, aged cheese, including goat cheese. There's nuts, walnuts, cashews, peanuts, vegetables, even avocados, eggplant, spinach, tomatoes, and then smoked fish, mackerel, mahi-mahi, things like that. So I feel like if you're listening to this, you're like, well, what the heck am I supposed to eat? <laughs> um, there are some really great lists of foods that you want to avoid, but also I like finding the foods that you can enjoy and even going through and creating like a grocery list for yourself and highlighting the foods that you can enjoy because the often thing that happens is we have so much fear around what we can't have we forget that there are a lot of amazing foods that we can have we just need to shift our mindset in that way so I think it would be interesting for you to look at your diet and see if there's any of these high histamine foods that you're eating on a regular basis now you don't need to go and avoid I think every single one of these but if there are the most obvious ones to me like fermented foods um, dried fruits I mean the things like gosh, I don't know, avocados. I mean, that's something that we kind of consume daily, but might not ever think about it. Um, there are some supplements too that can help with more of a histamine response, which I might recommend trying instead of doing the Zyrtec, Allegra, and Benadryl, because some of these blends that are um, histamine kind of rescue, <laughs> I guess, supplements. There's one that I'm trying to think of. I can't think of it. But if you were working with someone, which is what I would recommend, because Chelsea and I were just chatting, like I don't love throwing out specific brands and specific names of supplements to take because we're not seeing you. You're not our patients or clients. And so um, we like to be careful of that. But just knowing that they're out there, then you can do your own research. But there are supplements that include DAO 
And so you can start to give yourself that enzyme to better break down histamine, but absolutely the place to start would be to cut back on your high histamine foods. So that would be my recommendation number one. Number two, with any protocol, I think you have to heal the gut first and foremost because that's what's causing the immune response. So the healing the gut is yes, cutting out these foods and finding the inflammation, but then also trying to help that by including really good gut healing things like, you know, well, bone broth is actually a little bit high in histamine. So for you, don't do bone broth, but you could do something like L-glutamine, you could do the gelatin, you could do collagen, um, maybe aloe vera, um, and then, you know, helping your digestive system in a different way besides apple cider vinegar. I would recommend maybe doing digestive enzymes, again, probiotic. Um, And then there are, you know, a handful of powders and things that you can include if you want to look into that just more on like the GI repair um, and kind of healing maybe like a leaky gut type of situation so we've given you kind of a lot of different ways to do this but I really feel like there is much to be learned about histamine intolerance and it's kind of something to look at when you feel like you've tried everything else so Mm -hmm. that's that's my take and I think super important to work with someone who's super well aware and well researched and everything on histamine intolerance as well. So I would say me, if you're not already working with someone seeking out a, a professional who is really experienced in working with people on histamine intolerance. Okay, guys, we have a super fun announcement to make. We have our very first sponsor for the podcast. The One Stop Paleo Shop has been in business for four years, providing quality food for people on the Paleo, AIP, Keto, or Whole30 diets. They carry brands like Epic, Vital Proteins, Keto Perfect, Primal Kitchen, RX Bars, and many more. As a matter of fact, the brands you know and love were most likely seen on the One Stop Paleo Shop website first. They happen to be the leaders in finding great, real, clean foods. We have a promotion for the Nutrition-ish podcast. If you're having a hard time deciding what foods to try, Chelsea and I have come up with our absolute favorites and put them together in two different boxes for you, the sweet-ish box and the savory-ish box. We couldn't decide either. You'll want to go to onestoppaleoshop.com, click on the ambassador link at the top. There you'll see the link for the Nutrition-ish podcast. Use code NUTRITIONISH, all one word, nutrition, I-S-H, at checkout to receive 15% off the sweet-ish and savory-ish boxes. Plus, there's free shipping over $49. We can't wait to hear what you think. Please let us know what your favorites are and enjoy either a sweet or savory treat on us. All right, question number two is from Samantha. And just so you guys know, this is a bit of a long question, so... If I stumble at all, forgive me. She says, hey ladies, my name is Samantha. I have been on a SIBO protocol for about 13 weeks now. Ugh. I started seeing a naturopathic doctor in January because I was having extreme bloating, trouble with deep breathing, feeling so cold all the time, and what I can describe as reflux feeling in my throat. I also have not had a menstrual period since February 2017, so that was a concern as well. Sleep was inconsistent and lots of tossing, turning, anxious feelings without being warranted, or so I think. I just recently submitted for a food sensitivities test, which I should have results back in two to three weeks. I've always ate pretty clean, but especially since starting SIBO protocol, I've cut out all refined sugar, processed foods, gluten, dairy, soy, fake stuff, gums, you name it. I try to eat whole foods, lots of proteins, fats, seeds, and low FODMAP veggies. I rarely drink any more wheat... 
I was going to say ween, <laughs> wine has been a go-to or Tito's and soda. <clears throat> sleep has been an on and off struggle. I experience bouts of night sweats, randomly waking up after falling asleep for an hour or two, tossing and turning, anxious feelings, etc. Those symptoms come and go. My overall attitude is positive, but I have developed, I have dealt with depression and anxiety for most of my adult life. I am, I am embracing the lifestyle change in a positive way though. Prior to finding out I had SIBO, I ate fairly healthy, worked out every day, trained for races, etc. but I'm your typical 28 year old. I went out with my friends, drank too much on the weekends, sometimes ate foods too late, pizza, and then felt, felt guilty. So I would reset Monday. Monday would be really strict, and when the weekends came, well, repeat. Sundays, I was always really anxious. I hated my job. I was upset with myself for eating, drinking so much, and the feeling of guilt set in when I experienced that dreaded Sunday hangover. These days, I love Sundays. I meal prep, do yoga, get myself ready for the week, and try to fill my day with a lot of self-care. I do still struggle slightly with my depression and anxiety, but wow, this Wow, has this diet and overall mentality changed the way I present myself and handle situations? I feel like I am so close to feeling better physically, but still have a ways to go mentally. I slip up with my diet every now and again. Well, I am human, but I need to mentally be okay with that. I am currently training for a marathon, so the highs and lows of that journey have been mostly welcomed, but some days are tough. My symptoms have certainly gotten better, but I am not 100%. Allie was super helpful the couple of times we chatted. And this podcast has been so great so far for info. It's so relatable and I love the tips and topics so far. I am so excited to keep following along to learn more. Her supplements, medications, I start my day with apple cider vinegar and lemon hot water. ACV is also on my salads at lunch every day. This is just a personal choice to help my stomach acid levels. My doctor put me on the following supplements, which I'm still on. So she's on a few different specific things to help with the SIBO and also to regulate cortisol levels, adrenal fatigue, and manage stress. Her first question, how do you girls handle getting out of routine with lifestyle and food variety? Sometimes I find when I get in a routine that works, I'm so scared to try something new that it holds me back from so many things. I have a fear it will make me feel bad or I'll lose the progress I have worked so hard to achieve. So I'll decline dinner with friends or nights out if I can't choose what I am eating doing. I have a hard time straying from my routine, so I am looking for any and all help to be comfortable with breaking out of my routine to try other healthy options or be most more social without questioning if it's the reason why I may not feel good the next day. I want to feel better, but I also don't want to live under a rock. So I'm actually going to pause there. She has a few more questions, but before we get too far down, let's go back. I wanted to touch on a few things just in your about me, Samantha, and see if we can just, you know, offer a few little bits and pieces of advice here first. Allie, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the like sleep, night sweats, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yes. So with the night sweats, and this is just targeting one specific thing, we're going to address kind of this whole question. Um, And we'll preface this too, is we really want this, this might be more of a conversational thing between Chelsea and I, because we both have a lot of, you know, experience, thoughts, opinions with SIBO. And it is one of the widely, you know, hardest things to treat or can be hard to treat because there is so many mixed thoughts, um, opinions, what has worked, what hasn't worked for people. So it's kind of a very interesting topic to talk about. Um, But just starting out with night sweats in general, that is a sign for liver support and kidney support. So your body's, you know, trying to detox here, but it's trying to detox at like the inappropriate time. Um, I mean, definitely check on 
temperature with, you know, your room and what you're sleeping, your sheets, all of that. I love sleeping with just like a thousand blankets, but you know, I live in Southern California. It's not cold here. So like sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and it's like, okay, is this, is this a liver issue or do I literally have five blankets on and it's like 70 degrees? So that's just, I'm sure you all are very smart about that. But I think most of the time it has to do with needing liver support or kidney support and then also blood sugar. Your blood sugar can go up and down in the middle of the night and that can either wake you up or, um, you know, what too is kind of interesting. Night sweats is one thing, but then also just having to like constantly go to the bathroom or if you have to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night several times and that's what's waking you up, that also could be a sign of dysregulated blood sugar. Um, and also for the night sweats, it could could be a need for riboflavin or vitamin B2. Um, another thought on that with as it relates to restless legs syndrome, because it does you're saying that you know sleep was inconsistent and there's lots of you know tossing and turning. So with restless leg syndrome, it could be a need for calcium, magnesium, potassium, and it also might mean that your digestive system is a little bit lacking because it's for whatever reason not absorbing all those nutrients that you need. And so um, you also might need something like vitamin E or folate as a cofactor in addition to this calcium, magnesium, potassium, restless leg syndrome issue. Yeah. And then I just wanted to touch on a few initial thoughts in reading over your story, Samantha. So I... I know you have been in contact with Allie, so we did follow up and see that you have tested for SIBO. I just want to put it out there for anyone else listening. If you do think SIBO is potentially an issue for you, and just to, um, if anyone doesn't know what SIBO is, it's small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. It's basically when there's an overgrowth of bad bacteria in your large intestine and can creep up into your small intestine where we're not supposed to have bacteria, and it could lead to things like bloating, irregularity, all kinds of gut issues and stuff like that. Um, it's slightly an epidemic these days. A lot of people are dealing with it. Um, so basically the best way to test for SIBO is through a breath test. You can find that SIBO could be indicated from a like large intestine, a stool test, but the best way to test is through a breath test. So you want to make sure that you're working with a practitioner who can administer that test. And just in your particular case, Samantha, that's a long time to be on a protocol. So at the point that you wrote this question, you were 13 weeks in. Allie said that you are now about 15 to 16 weeks in. That's a long time, and I know you're not seeing any improvement. So at this point, I would reevaluate things. And my gut instinct, for lack of a better word, is to look at, is there something deeper going on in your gut? So I would want to make sure that there's not some outstanding bacteria overgrowth, imbalance of bacteria, infection or something like that in your large intestine that is preventing you from clearing up the SIBO. So the first thing I thought of is there's something like a parasite or H. pylori possibly going on. Have you done a comprehensive stool test? I think anyone who's dealing with SIBO, that's the place you should start. I personally think this, that If there's something going on in your large intestine, it's going to be hard for you to clear up what's going on in your small intestine first. So you kind of have to work backwards and again, look at the root. Um, If you have not seen any improvement with low FODMAP as well, that's another indicator to me that there could be something different going on besides SIBO that is still causing you a lot of the havoc. Um, 
Also too, if you are doing a SIBO protocol, I don't recommend doing low FODMAP to a T during the protocol just so that that bacteria doesn't go dormant and that you're still able to kill it off. So this is not to say you should just, you know, eat whatever you want, but I think not being so extremely diligent about being low FODMAP, like still including maybe some moderate FODMAP foods in there will help you actually to kill off things a little bit better. Um, and that's just kind of like general advice for anyone going through the protocol. Um, just in general too, you are doing a lot. We're going to touch on a little bit about over-exercising marathon training as well in a later part of your question. But my first in- instinct was, whoa, marathon training and a SIBO protocol and poor quality sleep. That's a lot on your body. No wonder you're not feeling so good. That's so much stress on your symptom system. If you are doing a SIBO protocol, you want to make sure you're giving yourself time to rest. And not only are you just exercising a lot and running, you're doing marathon training, which is long steady state cardio and your body just probably cannot handle all of that right now in addition to not getting good quality sleep. So, you know, this is a little bit more of a complex recommendation than just stop marathon training because I'm sure that you really thoroughly enjoy it and it's giving you a lot of positive things and, you know, you're probably super, super into it, but I really would make a strong recommendation to re-evaluate what's really important and pull back on that a little bit. Um, looking into doing other things that create positive endorphins outside of exercise. So maybe you, you know, do, you know, learn a new language, like craft, you know, watch movies. <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't think of, like, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but things that bring you joy and like learn are, a new language. Yeah. I mean, that I is actually, a good recommendation. It is. Cause it helps. If you have keep, time for that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I guess if you have time to train for a marathon, you do have mm-hmm. time to pick up a little French here and there. Yeah. Bonjour. I'm just kidding. I'm not making fun of you. I am. I am, but I'm not. I honestly <laughs> was just thinking yesterday, I would love to learn a new language. And <laughs> Anyway, so just like, again, like if I were working with you, if we had more time together, we could figure out what those things would be. But those are just silly examples off the top of my head. Um, but just in general, in too, encouragement to look deeper. <laughs> I also think that SIBO is really the byproduct of something deeper. So in my very personal experience, again, I do not want to freak anyone out. This is just what is going on with me. I ha- My root is my Lyme and Bartonella disease. That is at the root of my digestive issues. For me personally, I have found after a few years of trying to treat all of this stuff unsuccessfully, I found that that's really needs to be my focus on healing those things and supporting myself in that way. So if you are someone who just keeps treating SIBO over and over and over and over and still isn't getting better, I really, really, really stress you guys to continue to look for the deeper root issue. And then, um, okay, so let's chat a little bit about did I read this question? How we get out of our, how do we handle getting out of our routine? <laughs> like, I can't remember. I think that, well, you did, but um, actually. Did I say this? No, you didn't. You didn't. You Are didn't you sure? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I did. I did discuss this. So she was basically saying, how do you girls handle getting out of your routine? She's a little bit nervous to go out to eat because she doesn't know how that will set off her symptoms. Um. I did read this. <laughs> sorry, guys. Okay, sorry. I was actually, so Sam and I have been, um, you know, in contact, as I mentioned. Um, so she just sent me her, her SIBO 
test and her lab stuff. So that's what I was doing while you were looking at this question. So I was not paying attention. Sorry. Okay. No worries. So I also, Samantha, have dealt with this myself a lot lately. I've actually been speaking a lot about it on Instagram and things like that about how I've been on so many different healing protocols for a few years now, and I've stuck to so many different diets, and I just lately have had this shift in perspective that my peace of mind and my quality of life for me individually and where I'm at is more beneficial in my healing than sticking perfectly to a healing diet. I've definitely said no to so many things. I have been somewhat living under a rock. I've been somewhat antisocial. I've just said no to a lot of things that could have been really fun because I've been really nervous to go out to eat or just to be around other people and, you know, them not maybe understand what I'm going through. And just from that causing, you know, more of a stress response for me, I feel like that's made things a little bit worse in my healing process. So I just want to say, like, I understand how scary it is and, you know, how unfamiliar it can be and how, you know, just how much fear that can, that can cause to go out to eat or to be around other people when you are trying so hard to deal with all of these different health issues. But I really feel strongly that connection, laughing, interacting with other people are really big players in a healing process. So as much as you can, just to remind yourself that it's safe to try this, try it a few times and show yourself that you can do it. Maybe, you go and you're really nervous about it and you're really fearful about it, but it ends up being so fun and you're able to even eat some things that maybe you thought you couldn't have, but because you're so happy and you're interacting with people and you're laughing, you actually digest the food quite fine and you don't have a trigger to your symptoms. So it's, you know, it's a little bit of a trial and error process and just seeing if you can show yourself that you can do it. I also recommend being in charge and in control of the activities and maybe the restaurants that you're going to. So maybe looking at different menus and picking, you know, experiences and atmospheres and things like that, that you feel more comfortable with and starting there. I agree. I think that sometimes when you do go out and venture into something different and you see success, even though you don't, if you kind of like think you're going to react to something and you're like, oh, this is for sure going to make me bloated or for sure going to trigger my gut stuff. And then it doesn't, the positive response that you get from that and the hope like greatly outweighs like staying just safe and scared. So pushing the boundaries can actually help you heal by showing yourself what your body can handle. And that can be really positive for your mind and your mindset to be like, well, look, last time I did this, you know, I was totally fine. I have found so many times when I am like out doing something I love or with people I love with when I'm on vacation, I feel like I can eat so many of the foods that I quote unquote had on my like no list for SIBO, whether they're high FODMAP or just not good and gut friendly, or maybe they're higher in sugar, whatever. And I'm absolutely fine. So I think that you should push the boundaries a little bit. And I do agree with what Chelsea said about not following high FODMAP to a T because you do want to keep those little, you know, buggers alive in there. (laughs) And so you can kill them. Um, I think overall doing a low FODMAP is a good idea because you also are wanting to starve them. But you have to do a very, very powerful killing process at the same time so you don't want them to go completely dormant so I would pick some foods that you really love to indulge in like I love um, like the elemental superfood bars are like my favorite things on the planet for dessert or anytime really (laughs) but (laughs) they're like 
What? They're I don't know. So that's good. just such a random thing to. I know. Love. But just... because I haven't had sugar in like, yeah. what is the day? So I'm literally like, I, st- I obviously have one in my fridge because that's smart to do and torture. But I want to eat that thing so bad every day. I should just throw it away. But anyways, yeah, it has should. honey in it. It has honey in it and it has some other things for a SIBO protocol that you'd be like, well, I shouldn't have that. It's like, you know what? When I was doing my SIBO protocol, I had them. And I was like, I don't care. And I felt fine. <laughs> so pick the foods that are going to make you happy. And I think you should eat some of them. Mm-hmm. And then also when it comes to other people, just kind of like freely letting people know what you're up to. I think that almost makes things a lot easier. Um, I was just, I'm podcasting out of our my co-working space. And I literally just had diatinaceous earth and bentonite that I put in a spoon and mix in water in the kitchen in front of like 10 people. And I was like, nope, don't even care. And some guy was like, now I feel like you clean pools with that. And I was like, you know what? You probably do. (laughs) And I'm going to drink it. But I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing a gut healing thing. No big deal. And then it was the end. Instead of feeling stressed out about it and being like, oh my God, they're going to think I'm eating plant fertilizer. It's like, who cares? Who cares? You know, just like let them know you're doing something as like a gut detox. And it's like, that's all you have to say. So I think that makes it really easier. But if that doesn't make you feel comfortable, you can definitely eat before um, or even like bring a snack, um, show up a little bit after if you're getting together with friends, be like, oh, you know what? I actually just ate. I was like starving, so I'm good. Um, And then too, another thing that I did a lot was I didn't cut out alcohol completely when I was doing my SIBA protocol. I'm not saying that I advise that to anybody, but I was doing it over like Christmas and Thanksgiving and I was just like, well, whatever, I can make better choices. So I brought Fitvine wine everywhere I went (laughs) because it is a little bit lower in sugar and it's clean. And again, Chelsea's laughing. We do this via (laughs) Skype, by the way, so we can see each other. Side note. Yeah, not ideal. It's not. Um, But you know what? You got to make what works for you better. So I think just kind of um, you know, modifying your, your protocol to what works for your life. Yeah, I so agree. And I think just going back to what other people think of you, if you don't make it a big deal, other people won't make it a big deal. And gosh, I've been on so many different weird protocols and things like that. And I just roll with it. I don't care what anyone thinks anymore. It's your life. It's your body. And you're trying to heal yourself and feel better. So just own it. Um, Okay, so her next question is, what are your best tips for prepping lunches for work? I always prep Sundays and have my go-tos, but they are getting so boring. And again, I have the fear if I change anything, it'll make me feel worse. I've always done salads with greens and romaine, cucumber, carrots, tomato with some type of lean protein because that is easy to pack for work. But I just read greens could be causing digestive issues. Are my salads a poor choice? And if so, what do you recommend? If not, Is there other easy things to pack for work that can give me more variety? My meal prep is already three to four hours on Sunday. Okay, so I personally do really, really well with salad greens. I actually prefer bitter greens, things like arugula, um, dandelion greens, things that are really dark. I find I do quite well digesting a lot of different types of greens. Um, Other raw vegetables, on the other hand, though, I have a hard time with. So I think it's a good idea to maybe add in things like cooked vegetables. So maybe things that you've prepped on your Sunday, you can just throw those into your into your salads instead of feeling it always, feeling like it always has to be things like carrots or tomatoes or other raw vegetables. And then I don't see that you're adding in a lot of healthy fat. Maybe you just didn't mention it, 
but I think having that healthy fat there is really complementary to some of those colder raw vegetables and greens and things like that, especially too if you're doing just lean proteins, maybe switching up your protein. Why do you feel that it has to be lean? If it's from a great source, it could be a nice, you know, more fatty cut of meat, even things like chicken thighs or maybe slow cooked pork or beef or things like that, as long as it's coming from a good quality. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's actually super healing for your gut. Healthy fats are also really great for your gut, so maybe adding a good quality um, olive oil or nut and seed oil. I really like those. I love macadamia nut oil. It's so delicious. Drizzle it over salads. Um, and then maybe trying some new fun recipes, maybe searching around online or treating yourself to a few really beautiful cookbooks, even looking into things like slow cooker recipes or instant pot recipes um, so that, you know, maybe you could cut down on your meal prep a little bit and prep a huge portion of something that then why don't you bring that for your lunches? Um, there's something called a hot logic, which I've seen floating around on Instagram, which is like a little um, lunchbox that you can plug in and it heats up your food. Have you seen this, Sally? No. Okay. What? So <laughs> it's like a lunchbox that has almost like a oven in it. Uh, I'll link it. But I think you oh plug my God, it in. An easy bake oven. It's not an go. oven, but it like warms up your food. It's so cool. I want. I wanted Scott to get one. Um, I personally work from home, so I'm lucky enough. I don't have to think about traveling with my food, but if I did, I would get one of these. So I'll link it. I think you plug it in an hour before you're going to have lunch, and it slowly warms up your food in a Tupperware. Isn't that cool? That's amazing. Yeah. So we'll link that. And then I think even trying things, just very warm foods are very healing for your gut. So maybe trying things like soups and stews, even making soups out of blended vegetables and bone broth be super, super healing. That's super easy to pack with you. Um, You can even pack it in like a mason jar or something like that. And then easy proteins that I personally love for lunches are things like an organic rotisserie chicken. I'll um, get one of those from Whole Foods and just pull off all of the meat and put it into a Tupperware and throw that in for lunches on salads or whatever. I also really like Wild Planet canned wild tuna and wild salmon. I think you just need to switch it up a little bit more, make it a little bit more interesting for yourself. And again, don't let that fear overpower you to think that changing it up means that you'll have a reaction. You just kind of have to do a little bit of that exposure therapy and try it a few times and see what you do well with. But I think too, you need to add in some more healthy fat too to help lubricate things a little bit more for your gut and make things a little bit more filling for you too. Yes. With the fat though, I will just say kind of not that I don't agree. Most people do really well with higher fat because you are doing kind of more of a low, lower-ish carb, but be mindful of like how well you're digesting fat because for some people who are just more maybe dealing with SIBO and the digestion itself isn't as off, I guess you could say, then that might actually work quite well. However, when you're dealing with SIBO and you get your lab results back or your breath test back, you'll notice that you're either high in methane or high in hydrogen. And you can also be high in both. So depending on what you might be high in, you you might have bowel, I guess, like responses to that. Um, So you might actually be dealing with constipation or you might be dealing with more of like an IBS um, kind of effect where you're going to the bathroom a lot. So I think depending on those two factors, you're going to get a pretty good idea of like how your digestion is working. And if you're more constipated, then just be mindful of 
how much fat you're doing because you're going to have to break that down and you're going to have to process it. So I think that's, again, that's why SIBO is tough. <laughs> There's a lot of different factors here. Most of the time I find high fat is fine, but I just wanted to throw that in there for people doing full, full fat and you're not breaking it down. And then your gallbladder um, is the one kind of processing a lot of that fat. Just be careful with that. Um, there is a a supplement that I like from Biotics called Beta TCP, which is basically just concentrated beets. And um, what else does it have? Beta T, taurine, pancreolipase. So it kind of gives you a little bit of support there. And then also if you're doing a digestive enzyme, making sure that it has ox bile in it because that will also help kind of release bile. Um, But for the most part, I totally agree that higher fat is good and it's also gonna make you full and it's gonna help with the inflammation. Um, Some of my favorite SIBO-friendly foods, basically zucchini everything, zucchini noodles, zucchini um, zoatmeal. Um, I also really liked um, and still like doing carrot noodles. They have the frozen ones from Trader Joe's. Now, this next one is not necessarily like ideal, but brown rice noodles are low FODMAP. They're also low in sugar. So I think you get to a point if you're doing this, and especially now that you're on like week 15 or 16, you're like, if I see another zucchini noodle, I'm going to lose my mind. So you might be able to throw in a few of these brown rice noodles or something just to kind of switch it up, but I wouldn't recommend doing over like a half a cup or something uh, because anything with grains is not ideal for digestion. Um, I do, I ate a lot of eggs um, and then making your own like almond flour crackers could be an option for you because it is really hard to find crackers that don't contain things like cassava or any starches. Um, but you will have to be mindful of, are you okay with almonds and nuts? Because when your digestion is off, sometimes nuts for a lot of people can not work well. And then coconut wraps, I think are awesome. Those you can throw any type of veggie or chicken or whatever in there. Um, and you can buy those on the one stop paleo shop using our nutrition ish discount. Um, and then what else? Green beans. Um, this is silly, but I'm pretty sure it's like not over 12 green beans and then they become high FODMAP. So a lot of the stuff with FODMAPs, you just have to be careful because sometimes it is the quantity like coconut milk is okay, but not over a half cup or is it a quarter cup? Mm, do you remember? Quarter cup, maybe. I don't know. Not sure. You have to look that up. Um, but then butternut, butternut squash noodles, um, and Chelsea's favorite carrot fries. So those are just some of kind of like different ways to experiment with your foods and some of my ideas that I really enjoyed. All right. Her next question is, how do you filter and take in all the information that is out there and trust that if you try it, it will work? Just when I think I am on the right track with something, I read an article that that negates it. I try my best to listen to my body and what is right for me, but my anxiety and stress don't help when I have off days. I blame everything and anything that I did differently as the cause. So just very simply, I would say stop researching. There's so much information out online right now about SIBO, about gut health, the do's, the don'ts, the can'ts, the won'ts. With what you have going on right now, I think it's best for you to be working with someone that you really trust and to trust the process for you. We are all so different based on what we have going on. It can take one person a week to heal can take one person five years to heal, you know, and not to say that that's how long it's going to take for you, but just everyone has a different process and a different journey with their health. So if you really trust your practitioner and you're working with a naturopath, if you love them, 
stay with them, keep your eyes on your own path and your own journey. If you don't, you know, it might be a good idea to maybe look into working with someone else who can help you and, you know, just dedicate yourself then to working with them. But I would just say stop reading all the different information out there. Stop, you know, following all the blogs or forums and social media stuff and just focus on your own story. Yeah. Um, the test that she did, because she sent it to me <laughs> during this, um, was through Genova. And they do a really, you know, pretty good overall um, test that analyzes a lot. The other ones to look at would be uh, aerodiagnostics, which I know is the one that Dr. Ruscio recommends. And he actually also just came out with a fantastic book called... Um, what is it? Heal the gut or happy gut, happy you or something. If you just Google Dr. Ruscio's new book or we'll link it, it's kind of a self walkthrough of how do you heal the gut and depending on what you're going through. Plus he does give recommendations for supplements and stuff. So that's just something I think that you can kind of do. It's your own pace, your own guide. I would still recommend working with someone, but yes, I agree with Chelsea on this one. I think personally you have to find a new practitioner and I'm trying to be more blunt and better with the way I respond to things instead of being more wishy-washy, but that is my true opinion. I think you need to find somebody else because you've been doing it now for 16 weeks and they haven't really suggested, or at least from what I know and what you've told us, to really looking elsewhere. I also think that the two things that you're taking, which is the candy bactin, which you mentioned in your question on the protocol, um, there's two different ones that you're taking, but those are the only two things in addition to, what else was it? The... Uh, probiotic, um, orthomolecular parodic. So the ortho, so you're not taking a probiotic. So here's my thought. And another reason why I think you should find somebody else is because you're only taking a digestive enzyme and then you're taking a candy bactin BR and a candy bactin AR. I looked up, you know, some of the ingredients. I personally don't feel that that is enough killing property to actually heal everything. Because what I have found with something like SIBO, and we mentioned that's kind of like the result of what else is going on, you need some other really powerful things to kind of be like a catch-all almost of like, what is going to kill stuff? What if it is something like a candida or a yeast? You want to be able to kind of cover your bases, especially if you're going all in for this amount of time. So I think you definitely need to be doing more antibacterial, um, antiviral kind of stuff, unfortunately. And... I guess I had another point there, but yeah, so I think that you need to be doing more, but I also think you need to be doing gut healing at the same time. So while as much as you're killing, you really need to be healing the gut at the same time, which all of the other things that we talked about in our previous questions, so I won't necessarily say those again, but I think we need to go bigger scale, go all in 100% with unfortunately more of an arsenal to kill whatever's going on. I also have to tell you that I really feel like the marathon is just a no. I hate that because I personally love running. It was in my past. It was something I did a lot. And for me, like I only ever did half marathons. I cannot even fathom actually doing a full marathon. I know there's many of you out there and I commend you. I think it's something that you should maybe, if you want to, sure, do it but then like say you did it and be done with it. It is so much stress on your body, especially because we're forgetting that the main factor here, which is something very close and personal to me, is that you haven't had a period in a year. And that is not even something we talked about. So I truly believe that whatever's going on in the gut is affecting either your adrenals, your HBA access, it's affecting 
what's happening with your hormones. So there's a reason you have to kind of address what happens first in the gut before you can actually address maybe the hormone factor. So by running a full marathon, you're basically literally running through the woods from a bear that is angry from you, you know, or angry at you. So it's just, and training for that is a lot. I mean, like I said, I only did halves. I can't imagine training for a full. So your body does not feel loved. It feels stressed and you really need to kind of address that. So it's not like you should quit now. You've already probably put a lot of time into training. I would still do it. I would crush it, rock it, and then be like, you know what? This is going to be another thing that you can put into your, you know, healing regimen of like giving your body a break. You also might want to look at some adrenal support um, at the same time to kind of work with your adrenals because that can be the source of what's happening with your hormones. Another thing that I found really helpful for me with hormone stuff is doing acupuncture because there are a lot of different, you know, reasons why that works, but you're really relaxing your body. You're getting everything to flow and talk to each other. And then in addition, I mean, there's some Chinese herb things that really help boost the lining. Um, it helps boost your progesterone, your estrogen. I think continuing to do the seed cycling sure is, is going to be maybe supportive. I don't think that it's going to bring your cycle back with everything else going on, but I do think it can help. Um, another thing to consider is maybe doing something like Vitex or Feminescence, which is um, kind of a stronger version of Maca. Maca can be really good for regulating your hormones. And then also you are doing labs, we know that, but just making sure that you check your thyroid because your thyroid plays a big role into A, digestion, B, hormones, pretty much everything else. So that's really, I think, in a nutshell of where I would go with it is find a new practitioner do a bigger protocol, dig a little deeper, what else is going on, stop running so much, fix the adrenals and the cortisol, and then heal the gut in addition to working on some hormone balancing stuff. Yes, I agree with everything that you just said. So that was a lot we threw at you. We'll try to include as much, you know, links and information um, and everything in the show notes. So keep us posted. And thank you guys so much for being here. For more from me, Chelsea, head to nutritionwithchelsea.com and follow me over on Instagram at nutritionwithchelsea. For more from Allie, head to barefoodnutrition.com and follow her over on Instagram at barefoodnutrition. If you guys would like to submit a question for us to answer on the show, you can email that to nutritionishpodcast at gmail.com or to make things much easier, head on over to our website, nutritionishpodcast.com all linked in the show notes and linked on our Instagrams and click on the submit a question tab makes it super easy. And it would mean so much to us if you guys would please leave us a rating and review over on iTunes. We love reading them. You guys submitted so many awesome reviews for the giveaway. Thank you to everyone that that entered that. You have no idea how much your kind words touch us and inspire us and motivate us to keep going. So thank you guys for being here and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.